Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. And here we are on another edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander and Bunker to Friends. That's me. That'd be you. And our guest. Uh, and our guest is uh, Candy Moulton. Yes. Uh, she's a Western... Uh, uh, Western Writers of America, WWA author. Western Writers of America, Boy, the, the, uh, the, the mind is just going away. I should never have given you that cookie. That did it. That's yeah. what did it. Sugar. Sugar yeah. obliterates the brain. Yeah. Well, anyway, we're going to be talking with Candy about the upcoming uh, WWA convention in Tucson, June 19 through the 22, and that's next week. Yeah, it's coming and, Wednesday through uh, Saturday. Yep, and uh, we're going to be there yes, broadcasting. Sir. We'll probably yes, we'll be doing stuff on the radio channel and more than likely do some live stuff on Facebook. Live? You mean Live. we have to be breathing when we do this? Yeah, and you have to uh, not be wearing the T-shirt and shorts you're wearing. Oh, thank you, Harry. Well, speaking <laughs> speaking from a man I know, wearing a T-shirt and shorts and barefooted. Yeah, well, hey. That's you know. the hardships. Candy, that's the kind of hardships See? I have to work with. That's right. Smelly feet. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. They ain't that bad. Oh, well. All right. That's uh, easy for you to say. Well. <laughs> sinuses are shot. Oh, that's it. Oh, that's <laughs> why my wife keeps talking about that. Candy Moulton is a Wyoming native. She's written 13 and probably more Western history books, co-edited a collection of short fiction and an encyclopedia, and written, produced, and has been a reenactor in several documentary films. She's uh, won a Spur Award from the Western oh. Writers of America in 2006 for her biography on Chief Joseph, Guardian of the People, another one in 2010 for Pursuit In Pursuit of a Dream, a uh, documentary that film that uh, yeah. she wrote and produced with Boston Productions, Inc. for the Oregon, California Trails and Association. And also one of the runners of BPI. Yes, we in fact, we did a show, I seem to remember, about uh, the Oregon and... Um, uh, the, I'm positive we did the Oregon California trails sometime it back. It may have been before my time. It might have been. She's um, a 2003 uh, Spur finalist. Yes, she is. And uh, she's got a brand new tome out. Tome? Tome. tome. Is that tome. kind of like you? That's like a book. Oh, oh, I was thinking of a headstone. That's one of those uh, one of those dollar fifty words. That's one of those dollar fifty words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you get that much money? Uh, I got paid. <laughs> you, you, who gets paid around here? Advertisers paid me. <laughs> anyway, oh, okay. the the new book is the Mormon hand handcart migration. Tongue nor pen can never tell the sorrow. You can find it at Amazon and a variety of other places. It's available in ebook form and hardcover. And uh, by the way, there's only ten of them left on uh, Amazon, so you better uh, better, better order today. Before we start talking to Candy, yes, we need to let people know how they can get in touch and join in the conversation. If they want to give us an email or a phone call, have a question for Candy or or directions for us on how to get out of town, <laughs> you know. This is why you're here, That's to keep here. me square. Well, you uh, are square. Very right? well. Uh, if you'd like to, we're, we're going to have Candy on the phone here shortly, and if you'd like to get involved in our conversation, it's very easy to do. 844-908-WEST, 844-908-9378. That's the number to call. Um, we've also got uh, uh, our email is voicesofthewest at gmail.com. Our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Voices of the West. You will find us. And I did not mention YouTube because we got axed from YouTube. Content. So screw you, YouTube. And there you have it. That's what I think. Uh, and now, be, now be honest with yourself. I am don't, being don't, honest. Don't hold back. I am know, being honest. You're being... 
Yeah, in private, you've said much worse than that. Well, I have, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to candy here yes, yes. and uh, find out what in the world this thing is all about. Well, we know what the book is about. It's yeah, a, I read it. It's a it's a hell of a book, Candy. Candy Moulton, welcome to Voices of the West once again. Uh, thank you, guys. It's really a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah. You know, before, you know, I'm, actually, I'm sitting here right now, and I've got three of your books in front of me. And I brought one of the books, Steamboat, because that's one of my all-time favorite books because I love bucking horses. And that's got to be, I think, the greatest book about the greatest bucking bucking horse of all time. Better than Midnight or Five Minutes to Midnight, Steamboat's all the way. And the other book, which is Legacy of the Tetons, and I wanted to, I brought that especially because there's a little section in there, starts on page 48, runs for about six pages, and it's about, it's about the Mooton family and their experience on one of the handcart journeys across there, and it fills in uh, kind of more of a more personal family part of this stuff. But one of the things I want to say about the book, Candy, and and I don't want to run you off by saying this, but after reading it, if you do not get a Spur nomination, I guarantee you all of the stars in heaven will fall out (laughs) because this is one of the most fabulous books I've read. To deal with the subject this complicated, this intricate, to deal with the various lives, you know, the... uh, different handcart companies, all of the back history, uh, to describe that, to tie it together, keep it going, and then and, and then at the very end with Dakota wrapping up with your part of your history of behind, you know, doing one of these treks yourself for the 150th celebration of Brigham Young uh, showing up in Salt Lake. Ma'am, I don't have my hat on right now, but if I did, I would take it off to you. Well, thank you very much. That was really nice of you to say. This particular book uh, was a long time in the making, and you can you can take it back to that original research that is in Legacy of the Tetons when I was writing this. That book is, for those who haven't read it or don't know, it's a, it's a history of homesteading in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and it's, uh, it involves the Molson family and some other families who came in there in the late 1890s and early 1900s and homesteaded and settled there. And I felt like I had to get them first to the West and then I had to, they came into Utah and then I had to get them North to Idaho if I could really take them into Jackson Hole. So I did that early research about the handcart companies and um, that book came out in 94 and then did the wagon train in 97, which was the, sesquicentennial of the Mormon Trail and did a lot of research at that point and then a lot more. <laughs> and it took me about, honestly, in the, in the final research and writing of the, hand, the new Handcart book, it took me about 12 years to do that because I'm really slow. No, you're just very detailed. I've got to tell you, you know, I read a lot of the history and stuff like that. And there's pretty much kind of a basic format of dates and names and places, but to make those places come alive, the people come alive, to understand what they're, to really, to, you know, it's not just reading about it, it's understanding it. Sure. And the emotion that is portrayed in here, the hardships, I'll tell you, I, there's sections in there where I'd get so mad at the LDS leadership, you know, that, I, you know, I, I was like, yeah, I wanted to kick, I wanted to kick Brigham Young because... They couldn't see the forest for the trees. Oh, man. But, uh, you know, again, like I say, it just, there's no stars in heaven if this thing doesn't win a bunch of awards. Well, thank you. You know, uh, when you talk about you getting angry at, at some of the leadership in that in the whole handcart migration, there were times when I was writing that I would get so angry, honestly, at it that I had to put it aside and not work on it for a while because I didn't really want that anger to come through. Uh, it's it's an emotional story on a whole lot of levels um, from you know. Candy, are, young are, children to mothers. Candy, are you of the Mormon faith? Mm-hmm. 
I am not. I am not. My okay. husband's family is, obviously. I, okay. I tell their story of, mm-hmm. in coming west in 1856. Uh, his great-grandfather was born on the ship after they sailed from England. Wow. And I, I, open, I open the book with this, a letter that Sarah Moulton wrote, who would be mm-hmm. a great aunt of my husband, mm-hmm. the oldest daughter. Uh, she was 19 at the time, and she, she r- writes a letter from Winter Quarters, which is Omaha, Nebraska area, in August, uh, August 13th of 1856, and talks about having walked um, from Iowa City across to Iowa into Winter Quarters, and they are getting ready to set off on the last part of the journey, which is another 1,100 miles from Omaha to Salt Lake City, and it's already mid-August pretty late to be setting out, but they mm-hmm. say, you know, we're going to go anyway, and, and they say no more are going to be following us, but indeed another handcart company did follow the party that the Moultons were with. They were with the fourth company, the Willie Company, and they all got stuck in Wyoming in snowstorms in October to devastating consequences for many of them. You know, one of the things that, because like just getting back to getting angry at Brigham, I, I did the same thing that you did. I said, you know, I'm not going to let my anger get in the way of listen, listening to the story. And you handled it beautifully because you let the travelers express mm-hmm. their frustration and their and the few instances of anger. Because most of the time it was faith. And that that's, that's one of the elements all the way through from page one to the last, almost the last paragraph. Uh, is the faith and just the, the determination. It, just, it was a remarkable time and a, a remarkable group of people. Yeah, you know, they set out, they came from England. The first part mainly came from England, uh, and later parties came from Scandinavia. And they came from a, a place that was so foreign to what they all of a sudden were in, in the, in the American West. And, and especially as they crossed Nebraska and Wyoming and they got further and farther away from any assistance and any aid because no one was living out here at the time, you know, on, along the trail, or very few people along the trail. And all of a sudden they're like in a foreign climate. They, they don't have any concept. They know they're going to a place that they, they believe firmly is where they're drawn to by faith and by opportunity for something better for their families. But they have no idea what they're getting into. They don't know what's down the trail even a mile ahead of them. You know, and they, they talk about being in Nebraska and these great herds of buffalo and moving through, and you, you can kind of just put yourself on the ground because we're walking with these little hand carts, and all of a sudden here comes a herd of thousands of buffalo that are going to move through, and and they felt that it was divine providence that they were never really had a stampede of buffalo that went right through their <laughs> through their camp because obviously if that would happen they had they had no protection really mm, right. whatsoever so they were very vulnerable in a lot of ways because they were they were unprepared for the landscape they were unprepared for the climate they were unprepared for the physical toll that it takes to walk well, overall, about 1,400 miles. I mean, that's just a pretty long walk for anyone. And they had already traveled for a, maybe a month or five weeks by ocean, um, sailing across the ocean from England, and then a couple of weeks by train. And so they they were pretty tired before they even set out from Iowa. You know, it's what's neat, too, is because you start everything before you get into the into the meat of the story, You've got these two great maps, and by looking at the maps, all of a sudden you, you get an idea of what they were facing. And looking at the map, I noticed that the distance from Boston to Buffalo, New York, was probably about the equivalent of traveling from the east coast of England to the west coast of England. And then that's just a drop in the bucket. You mentioned the sea travel, and the train travel was uh, just about as dangerous and uh hazardous as the sea travel. I mean, you mentioned in one port there, uh, the travelers passing a train wreck, you know, it just, yeah. and then every, this is a story about hardships and, and tribulations and more than anything else, not being prepared because nobody really prepared them for it. Nobody told them what they were really facing. 
but the maps are great. With all of the uh, research that you did for this book, Candy, how in the world did you boil it down to uh, fit <laughs> into these pages? <laughs> I mean, I can only imagine the amount of research that you did. Yeah, there's a lot on the cutting room floor, as they would say in filmmaking. Um, but uh, what I did is I really kind of honed in. Well, I, I cover all ten companies, but I honed in on a few individuals from each company, and I tried to tell their stories. Um, and to, and in many cases, I bring these stories. I bring these people all the way from their homes in England, all the way to Utah, all the way through. And I was very fortunate. There are fabulous resources. Um, the Mormon Church um, has yeah. an Overland Trails database that is really a marvelous, marvelous resource. And I was able to use that and other accounts. And um, the documentary evidence of that trip, like many of the other um, trails, people chronicled and wrote about what they did, which to me is, is really impressive because I've traveled these trails, and I'm, I know how hard it is to be able to write each night after you've been out on the trail all day. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I do it the easy way. I mean, I'm ma- mainly in a wagon. I'm not walking and pulling my handcart all the way. <laughs> but, so how I did it is I just I followed a few families, and I tried to follow them as far as I could along the trail to give it. It's it's really their story that I'm just I'm sharing. I'm really sharing their stories. Well, you know, let's talk a little bit about some of your background for that then, because you're a life member of the Naperse Trail Association. Uh, involved with the Grand Encampment Museum, the Oregon California Trails Association, uh, Women Riders of the West, Wyoming Riders. Uh, so you apparently had uh, some experience with just doing the trail experience. Well, I've been really fortunate. I, I, in my one of my early lives, I was a journalist, and <laughs> I've traveled all of the um, Western Trail, the big Western Overland Trails, Mormon. Oregon, California, Bozeman, Cherokee, uh, Overland, Bridger. I've traveled them all by wagon train. Uh, very fortunate to do that. And, and in most cases, uh, all but the last few, I was reporting on them. I was writing about the experience for the Casper Star Tribune, uh, Wyoming's biggest newspaper. The, the last few that I did was really just doing it for more the fun and, and, the, and the opportunity to be out on the trails with a really, really super great family of mine of trail trail people. We've done a lot of miles together, and uh, we've, we've really lived it. And, yeah, I love the trails. <laughs> That's the thing that I love most in the West, and being out there on a wagon and, and camping is just, there's nothing quite like it. All right, we got to circle the handcarts here for a, <laughs> for a bit and take our first commercial break. I like that segue. Uh, them handcarts in a circle. We're, yeah, yeah. We're, we're uh, talking with the author Candy Moulton, and uh, we will be back with much more of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. And that's going to come your way right after these very important messages. Do not go away. On the trail of tomorrow There'll be streams around each bend Cattle thieves won't steal Mirages will be real And every cowboy a friend Emil Franzi's Voices of the West will be right back. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club is one of the best-kept economic secrets in town. This 900-member group maintains one of the finest shotgun shooting ranges in the country, featuring trap, skeet, five-stand, and sporting clays fields, and hosts national and international events that bring thousands of people and millions of dollars into our community. The Spring Satellite Grand American Tournament alone involves 1,200 participants for 10 days. Learn more about this and their other contributions to our community at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper 
run your business. Every year, we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Tom, the host of the Movie Zealots podcast, and I'm inviting you to give the Movie Zealots podcast a listen. Every episode, my co-hosts and I review the latest box office releases, but there's more than simply just that. We also play games like The Alexa Quote of the Show And may the odds be ever in your favor And have a From the Cutting Room Floor segment That is an open forum to discuss anything From our thoughts of a Netflix TV series To our experiences with movie subscriptions Such as the AMC Stubs or MoviePass So, after finishing this podcast Please give the Movie Zouts podcast a listen We can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play Simply search Movie Zouts Until then, that's a wrap Read classic Western comics anytime at voicesofthewest.net. Welcome back to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. We are back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and our guest, Candy Moulton. A little bit of uh, on the trail to tomorrow from the four singing notables. Yes, uh, you know, uh, and uh, Dimitri Tiomkin, of course, was oh, yeah. themed to a rawhide. You know, uh, I think you you mentioned a fella in your kind of your preface that apparently had a great deal of influence on you, and that was the wagon master Ben Kern. Uh, would you like to just sing a few praises out for Ken, Ben? Oh, Ben. Absolutely. So Ben Kern, I met Ben Kern on the Oregon Trail in 1993 in Ogallala, Nebraska. Um, we were traveling on the trail. He went all the way that year from Independence, Missouri to Independence, Oregon. The first of the big sesquicentennials of the trail. And he um, he's probably living in the wrong century because he, he was a <laughs> cowboy and a teamster. And he started doing wagon trains in the 1950s in Oregon. Um, and then after he retired, that's what he did. He did. He just loved to be on a wagon behind a team of mules. And so he and I traveled many, many, many miles um, on all of the trails that I did. I was with Ben, every one of them. And we camped together. We drank a little bit together. We went dancing once in a while together. We had some <laughs> really wonderful times. Um, yeah, he passed away three years ago, but uh, oh, truly, truly a, an important person, and he really... In many respects, he helped um, raise the awareness of the Overland Trails because he did do all these wagon trains. And, and in almost every case, he had general public out there, you know, people and kids. And I remember one that we were doing on the Cherokee Trail, and we were coming in toward my hometown of Encampment, Wyoming. And we, we were coming out through ranch country down on some country roads. We'd been on the trail, but, but at that point we were on some country roads. And the little kids would be, these ranch kids would be standing out on the side of the road and Ben would just say, load them up. And we had, by the time we got to town, we had <laughs> kids from every ranch out there with us. And we did that one time on the Bozeman Trail. We were going across the Crow Reservation. And all these little Crow kids were out standing <laughs> and watching the wagons go by. And, and we just stopped and picked them up. And Mom would say, okay, I'll follow you and pick you up in camp tonight. And we, just, <laughs> we had a whole load of kids that day, too. We had, yeah, we had... Crow kids uh, from all over the reservation were riding with us. So he loved sharing the story of the trails, with, particularly with young people. Kind of like freeze on a dog, yeah. girl. Just keep multiplying. Keep going. <laughs> we're, we're talking with uh, author Candy Moulton. Uh, her latest book, The Mormon Handcart Migration Tongue Nor Pen Can Never Tell the Sorrow. You know, during the break, Harry and I were talking, and, and Harry mentioned you know, that this story would make a great great movie uh and that's one of the things that i noticed too in the reading because i spent 30 years in the picture business that the way it's formatted uh for someone to come along and uh, turn this into a script treatment most of the hard work is already done for them <laughs> yeah. and it as, as it is it would make an awesome documentary either way it'd be a great story to see on film 
You know, there have been some film um, versions of the handcart story um, told by a variety of, of real fine filmmakers, mainly um, Mormon filmmakers. The church has done some mm-hmm. some films. There's one called 17 Miracles that was done, and it, they're very good. I would love to be able to make a film of this story and, and tell some of these some of these tales, and I, and I would particularly love to be able to do it from the perspective of the children who traveled mm. that trail. Um, the, the subtitle, the subtitle of the of the book, "Tongue nor pen can never tell the sorrow," comes from thirteen year old Hebrew McBride. That's a quote, and, and you notice when you see the book, the yeah. word "tongue" is misspelled because yeah, yeah. he misspelled it. Um, he was thirteen was. years old when he traveled the trail, and. He, with his family, uh, he lost his father on a trail out west of Casper. Um, he and his, his six, he was 13, his 16 year old sister, and he had to pretty much take over the sort of the management of the family. He had some younger brothers and sisters and his mother because his mother was very ill as well. She did survive, but um, yeah, his, his story is very poignant and it would be, it, it would be a great, it would be a great film. So someone mm-hmm. out there who's got a lot of money and wants to make yeah. it, I'll gladly work on it. I've done some film production. And it, would be, it would be a great film to do. Torn tongue nor pen can ne'er tell the story. Sorrow. That's it. Well, let's. Why don't you give us and the, and the people out there listening, give them a little bit of background about the LDS. What it what it preceded the uh, the westward movement, you know, from Navarro and Illinois into Kansas and early settlement of Salt Lake. Sure. So uh, so here's the short version, you know, the <laughs> Cliff Notes version of, of the Mormon story. The The church was founded in, in um, New York. It moved west. It was always moving west. Um, it moved west into Ohio and ultimately down into Arkansas. They, ha- they always had a certain amount of conflict with other people that they lived around, um, partially because the the Mormon people really kind of stuck to themselves. They were very tightly tightly connected, and so they had conflicts in um, Arkansas. They were forced out of Arkansas. They went back to Nauvoo, Illinois, and they established a, a presence there, and they established a temple. They were building a temple there, and that was really going to be their headquarters. And then they had Again, they ran into conflict and trouble with other people, and so they decided that Joseph Smith, who had founded the church, was killed, and his brother, he and his brother were killed, and then Brigham Young ultimately came to the leadership position of the church, and they decided that they were going to leave Nauvoo, and they were going to leave that Midwestern area, and they were going someplace where they would not be under the purview of the United States government. So in 1846, they set out, and they came. They started coming west, and they got as far as Omaha area in the fall of 1846, and they had all families and everyone, and they had to spend the winter there, and they spent the winter just west of the Missouri River um, at the place they called Winter Quarters, which is a suburb of Omaha. It's the town of Florence, Nebraska, is where they were. And then the next year, in 47. They packed up, and the original Pioneer Company, 147 people, traveled west, and they they came west of the Rockies. They followed them a trail that they forged, and they came west of the Rockies in over the Wasatch and down into the Salt Lake Valley, and they established what Brigham Young said, this is the place, and that's where they established their headquarters. At the time, that area was not United States territory. That was part of Mexico at that time. But they had sent the um, the Mormon battalion had gone with Stephen Watts Kearney and marched down in Santa Fe in in 1846 as part of the Mexican American War. So shortly after they were settled in Salt Lake City as a result of the Mexican American War of 1846, their territory was now back in in the purview of the United States. But that's where they went, and and it was all this part of gathering. And they, they had this, this philosophy that we gather our people together in one place and we bring them all. And it doesn't matter if they're, if they're wealthy and, and have resources or if they're very poor, we will help them get to what they called Zion. Mm-hmm. And, and that, so that was the whole philosophy. And they had, as early as 1837, 
they were sending missionaries out into other areas of the world to um, recruit new members of the church, and they had sent a lot of missionaries into England. So that's why the original handcart migration people, all the original parties came from England, because they had a very strong missionary presence in England. Now, there's not going to be a test on this, is there? Yeah, of course there is. Huh? <laughs> no. Oh, my goodness. That, what a great, yeah, no, what a no. great thumbnail no history. We, we, we don't like tests. You know, you've kind of covered it, but uh, maybe just one or two sentences more about the Perpetual Immigrating Fund Company. Sure. So they called it the PEF, the Perpetual Immigration Fund, and what they did is it was all this whole idea of we're going to bring everyone who wants to come and is faithful. And so they would pay a fee to come, and then they, they would basically they loaned them money in order to pay what they needed to get from England to the United States by ship and these train trips. And initially, they, they organized wagon trains um, and brought them out. And it was supposed to, when you got to Utah, you were to work and you were to make money and you were to repay the loan so that this fund was a perpetuating fund and there would always be enough money. The problem was they never paid it as quickly as they spent it. Isn't that always the way of a loan? <laughs> and like so they, they basically were running out of money. And in, in the late 1855, Brigham Young said, you know, I, I'm going to fall back on my old plan, which is we'll build hand carts rather than use wagons, which were more expensive because you also had to buy teams. And we'll use hand carts, and the people can push and pull those hand carts, carry their goods, and they can get there just as quickly, if not more quickly. They'll be in better health. They walk most of the time anyway, which is a very true statement. People mm-hmm. did walk with wagon trains. They very seldom rode in the wagons. Their goods were in the wagons. Right. Wagons are pretty rough and bumpy, and so they walked. But what he really didn't take into account is that when you're walking with a wagon, and the wagon is pulling and carrying all your goods, you're just simply walking with the wagon. But then all of a sudden, now you're walking and you're pushing and pulling your cart, which is loaded with two or three kids and 17 pounds of, of baggage and, and supplies per per member of the family for each five people. So about 100 pounds of goods plus three or four kids in there. And sometimes an older person who was ill, you're pushing and pulling a lot of weight and you're expending a lot of energy, which is far more more strenuous physically than if you're just walking beside a wagon. We're talking with Candy Moulton, and uh, she is the author of a brand new book here called <clears throat> The Mormon Handcart Migration, Tongue Nor Pen Can Never Tell the Sorrow. It's available at Amazon. Only a couple left. You better order soon. It's also available at other places, but we like Amazon, so you should, too. We do? Mm-hmm. Okay, we, we do. do. Uh, we're we're, like we're going to take another commercial break here, and when we come back, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about um, about the uh, Western Riders of America convention oh, coming okay. up here in Tucson. Yeah. So with that, we will be back with much more of Amal Franzi's Voices of the West right after these very important messages. Born on a mountaintop in Tennessee, greenest state in the land of the free, raised in the woods so he knew every tree, killed him a bar when he was only three. Davy, Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier. Emil Franzi's Voices of the West will be right back. When looking for a property management company, here are some things you should consider. How long has the company been in business? What types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. The Polash Management Company meets and exceeds those considerations. They've been in business in Tucson, Arizona since the 1960s. They manage all types of properties throughout Arizona and elsewhere, from residential to commercial to public sector properties. The Polash Management Company also dedicates its time and resources to numerous community projects, including help funding the drive for the USS Arizona Memorial at the University of Arizona. You also want a property management company that puts you, the customer, first. First, contact the Paul Ash Management Company today at paulashmanagement.com. 
and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Polash Management Company, property managers you can trust. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. Hello? I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats, but did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right, it's called Horses Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horses Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. Hi, little partners. Anytime you play a game, play it to win. But remember, somebody always has to lose. And in case it's you, don't be unhappy about it. Be a good loser. Just try a little harder the next time. I'll see you next week. Welcome back to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. We are back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Good wisdom there from Hoppy. Yeah, I like that. You know, if you lose, just try harder next time to win and carry a stick. There you go. That always helps, too. Uh, Speaking of horse and around rescue, uh, on Facebook, you're allowed to, uh, members are allowed to uh, post a, a help donate to, to a, a charitable cause kind for fun one's thing. birthday. And so for my birthday, I chose the Horse and Around Rescue for um, donations uh, to help keep them going. It's a, it's a great group so down there. So you gave them a horse? Uh, I'm going to become a horse. Hello there. Oh, Mr. Mr. Well, Mr. Red. I Wilbur. Wilbur. So uh, <laughs> I highly encourage and ask that you do that. And also, it's a great idea. It is. And also, uh, we're now offering on the Voices of the West website an opportunity for you to um, donate if you wish. Uh, you can do it a one time or once a month or whatever you the would rest like. Rest of your life. Rest of your life. And what that does is it helps keep us going helps keep the the west on the air help helps keep the herd moving along here um there are keep them hard hand carts moving that's right you know that we have expenses just as everybody else does and we're just asking you to expenses aren't our salaries because we're not getting any (laughs) that's why i didn't get that raise Uh, so uh you know we have advertisers of course and they help pay for the cost but it doesn't cover everything, so that's why we ask if uh, you are so inclined, yeah. you can do it through PayPal, and, uh, you yeah. know. I just might add to that, that by doing that, it would help us if we want to do a remote somewhere or we want to travel, say, yeah. down to the Empire Ranch to do a live broadcast exactly. to cover the expenses and all of, of the doing costs that. that's involved. That's in. right. I mean, that, you know, it's you may think it's only gasoline. Well, it may be only gasoline, but it also entails... <laughs> Today's prices. <laughs> yeah, it also entails a bunch of other things, technical things yeah. as well. And, you know, we have plans to uh, go to California again and do uh, some more... Uh, videos there and, and the upcoming uh, which we're moving into this is a segue here mm-hmm. into the western writers of america uh conference and amazingly enough we have somebody here on the phone who we has do? been organizing this thing you mean like kind of like an executive director kind, kind of, of person candy moulton welcome back thank you guys 
with put, trepid- put, my other, says, put my other hat on now and be yeah, yeah just turn your head around that's all. Yeah, with trepidation yeah. she answers <laughs> okay. the executive director that's I know yeah. Yeah. All right, time to be serious now um, no, the I'll West- leave the room here. Uh, okay the Western Riders of America is a huge group and Wonderful. obviously they are dedicated to promoting the values of the West through literature and a variety of other uh, media efforts and uh, ha- this year Tucson is the site for the convention and we are most happy about that. We're proud to have them here. How did Tucson come about in the discussion to hold the event here? Everybody else turned them down. Oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> well you know we, we do we select our, our membership um, votes on a region that they want to go to and we we selected southwest um so that's kind of a big region of the united states and then we narrowed it into tucson actually fairly easily because of the fabulous tucson book festival we mm-hmm. come every year and we have a booth at, we've had a booth there all but the very first year mm-hmm. we were there the first year but we didn't have a booth and then we've been there with a booth ever since and tucson is a great book community um yes, it so it was it was pretty easy let's go to tucson um been really welcomed and we're we're very excited we we do start the convention on um wednesday and it's open to the public if people want to come they can still register for the sessions to attend some of the panels and sessions that we're going to be doing is there a cost to the general public to attend these sessions well, yeah there is because we have bills just like mm-hmm. you guys have bills yep. so yep. there there is a fee um, there's a day rate, there's a day rate fee, and then if they want to come for the whole week, Wednesday through Saturday, then there's a, a week, a whole week rate. And that rate is $250 for the whole week, and it's 130 per day. But I will give your listeners a special deal. Well, if no. they come <laughs> and they register and they say that they heard this on Voices of the West, I'll give them the day rate for $100. Wow, and I'll give them you. the week-long rate for two hundred dollars. I'll give can't, them a real break if they say shake, that they heard it on Voices of the West. Can't shake a stick you at know, that one. I might throw out there too that I know that Tucson is full of artists, mm-hmm. uh, but we're also full of writers. And if there's any writer out there that has uh, never given a thought, they might want to give a thought about coming down, checking out the WWA, and uh, becoming a member. And I know they'd be more than happy to uh, have a few new members because that's how you grow an organization. Exactly. I've told a couple of writers that I know, and uh, hopefully they'll be showing up and saying hello to Candy. Uh, how, how many, again, a uh, ballpark number on how many folks are expected to come down? Yeah, we have over 240 registered for the convention. Wow. We have about 700 members total. So um, you do not have to be a member to, to register and attend, though. you It's not a requirement um, of any sort. And if you just want to come, we're going to be at the Tucson Hilton East. And if people just want to come out and, and meet some authors and hang around and not necessarily go to the sessions, I, I think some people will probably be in the bar. I'm pretty certain of it. And hanging <laughs> around. Somebody, somebody and so, I mean, if you want to just come and meet some writers, Come on down. We, we would certainly welcome people um, to just come and say hello. Mm-hmm. We yeah, also just, are going to have some vendors there. We're going to have some vendors. You guys are going to be there, yeah. and we're really thrilled with that, that you're going to be there and doing some live broadcasting and some podcasting. We have other vendors who are going to be there, um, the Oregon California Trails Association, the Empire Ranch. You mentioned them just a few minutes ago. Yes. They're going to be there. The Center for Basque Studies up in Nevada and the Folk Life Center um, we'll be there, and they'll be sharing information about about what they all do. We've got some publishers. Um, we've got some jewelry artists who are going to be in our vendor area. So, um, yeah, anybody would like to come, we, we'd certainly welcome them. And they will be selling some books. Barnes & Noble is partnering with us on that, and they're going to be – they'll have the Spur Award winning books there. Oh, too. Nice. We'll be presenting the Spur Awards on Saturday evening in 18 mm-hmm. different categories. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, I'm just thinking, you know, one of the one of the things the benefits that Harry and I have had over the years doing the show is getting to talk to writers like you and Bill Markley and Kellen and some of the other guys, and then for myself too, going out to the Festival of the Books and getting to meet them, meet you guys, and 
some, uh, occasionally have supper with the whole yeah. the whole gang out at the highfalutin. Yeah, and you know this, these these are some it, of the finest people I've ever met. It's like family. one big family. It is. And I might add too. I understand you're having one day out at Old Tucson. Now, how would the public interact with you folks out there at Old Tucson? So our Old Tucson tour, what we are doing is sold out. However, Old Tucson is open to the public. We're going to be there on Friday the twenty-first. We'll be arriving around four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, we we have a dinner that we're going to be doing during our dinner. Our dinner's sold out, so people cannot eat with us. However, it's going to be over at the High Chaparral, and we're going to have a uh, panel talk over there, and we've got three individuals who've been involved over the years in actually filming at Old Tucson. We've got Rob Word, Howard Kazanjian, and David, excuse me, Robert Carradine, who are going to be there, and they've filmed there, they've worked there as directors and actors and producers, um, so they're going to be talking about their experiences at Old Tucson, and I would extend that any anyone in the public who's going to be, you know, wants to come out to Old Tucson, that, that talk will probably start about 5.30 in the evening over by the um, High Chaparral, and then our folks will be wandering around, and so it would just be an opportunity if you want to meet some of our writers You'll find them wandering around in the afternoon um, and, after four o'clock you know, till about and, and seven, and, and then we have a we have a closed we have a closed program that we're doing at seven. But um, mm-hmm. certainly between four and seven, we'll have about a hundred and twenty riders there. So and, and yeah. bunker will be on the it's, roof. It's a good folks. Of the, bunker will be on the roof of the high chaparral, singing out riders coming. <laughs> You know, Candy, I probably got more. All right, more st- we'll watch for you. I've probably, I've probably got more time out there than your three uh, speakers all put together. <laughs> I did fifty-two episodes of Chaparral. I don't know a dozen movies or more. Some TV stuff out there. Uh, that was always one of my favorite locations to come to and work. It's well, it's you know, a- we can have a surprise guest on our panel. You come on out there, Bunker, and we'll put you. We'll have you tell some stories too. <laughs> okay. you can you can do Don Collier. <laughs> well, that's right, by golly, you know, and Mister Cannon, you know, put Bunker on the roof because I'm getting tired of climbing that damn uh, right, that damn well, ladder. And with that, we have to do our final commercial break. You see what I have to put up with here, Candy? <laughs> I do. Here, I, I do. You know. It's fun. It's tons of fun. Hang on the line, Candy. We will be back with much more of Abel Franzi's Voices of the West right after these very, very important messages. Do not, I repeat, do not go away. Franzi's Voices of the West will be right back. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. Hi, this is Joe Montaigne. Every time my Uncle Willie tells me about his service in Patton's Third Army in World War II, I'm reminded of what we owe the U.S. Army. Fourteen generations of American soldiers who have courageously defended our nation. Their stories represent the best of America and should never be forgotten. Join me to help build the National Museum of the United States Army, a long overdue tribute to all American soldiers. To learn more, visit armyhistory.org. Besides bringing millions a year into this community with national and international events, the Tucson Trap and Skeet Club at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway services the local shooting sports community with a 380-acre site featuring trap, skeet, five-stand, and two sporting clays fields, as well as a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, which all is available to local shooters, and soon an archery range. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com or take a drive out west of town and see it for yourself. New members or single-day use, welcome. Hello, 
Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Tom, the host of the Movie Zealots podcast, and I'm inviting you to give the Movie Zealots podcast a listen. Every episode, my co-hosts and I review the latest box office releases, but there's more than simply just that. We also play games like the Alexa quote of the show and may the odds be ever in your favor and have a from the cutting room floor segment that is an open forum to discuss anything from our thoughts of a Netflix TV series to our experiences with movie subscriptions such as the AMC Stubs or MoviePass. So, after finishing this podcast, please give the Movie Zouts podcast a listen. We can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. Simply search Movie Zouts. Until then, that's a wrap. Old Western Radio Theater every Saturday at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time only on the Voices of the West. B.O.W. Radio. When it's roundup time in Texas and the bloom is on the sage, then along to be in Texas, back a riding on the range. Just smell the bacon frying when it's sizzling in the pan. Hear the breakfast horn in the early morn, drink my coffee from a can. Just riding, rockin', ropin', herdin' cattle. Welcome back to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. I could listen to that stuff all day oh, long. I love it. And in fact, you... The 30 stuff is my favorite. In fact, you, the listeners out there... Can. Can listen to that anytime you wish at VOW Radio. And you can find that at the Voices of the West dot net website, which, by the way, has uh, been redone hey, big Henry's time. He's always redoing it. And uh, looking pretty good, I, I think. Uh, so I anyway, like to crawl across the Yeah, top. do, do yeah. check it out. Do check it out. Voicesofthewest.net. You'll find a revamped website. You will also find some classic uh, comic books, Western comic books. Oh, I love Hoppy, the Straight Arrow, Rocky Lane. Hoot Gibson. Hoot Gibson. You can also find some really cool old Western movies yes, up indeed. there as well. Uh, some Buck Jones, and uh, I can't even remember who all I got up there, but bunches of things. Bunches of <clears throat> whole you passel t- of hombres. Yeah, that's right. A whole passel that uh, you can uh, enjoy. And uh, on tonight's uh, uh, radio theater um, at 6 p.m., it will be the uh, adventures of the Cisco Kid and Poncho. Yeah. And Cisco. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring one of my favorite actors, yours too, I think, Joel McRae. Well, you betcha. Now, let's get back to candy and and, and to the hand carts, because there's one thing before we finish this, we got to, because this is important. Okay. The food. There you go. The food, because I guarantee you, this was no... Julia Child uh, <laughs> trip here. Uh, and there were no The Burger lack of Kings. food, the different types of stuff they have, the list. I mean, that was one of the things I, I underlined all through the book, the different various meals and foods, you know, bean biscuits soaked overnight, you know, just candy. Tell us about the, the gourmet travel of the handcart companies. Yeah, they had flour, flour, and... Sometimes they had flour, and occasionally they were really fortunate, and they would they got some buffalo in Nebraska, but mainly poor cows that were I think slow, and they they sometimes there would be other wagon trains that would be traveling the trail ahead of them, and they would uh, maybe an oxen would die or something like that, and they would leave it just to the road with a, with basically a sign saying for the Mormons, and they would butcher that, and sometimes it was pretty ripe by the time they butchered it. Hmm. They did catch a few fish, and they did, a few times they were able to get some sage chicken or sage hens, um, but for the most part, they didn't have much. They had They had some beans, and they had some flour, and they ate it in gruel. They just kind of mixed up a glue, and they that's what they had. And they ran out. And and every every one of the ten handcart companies ran out of food, and and really didn't have enough to get all the way. But you, you can just imagine you can't haul uh, three months worth of food in a handcart that's three feet square, and how, you know how, you, how you can't you haul it all. They had some wagon trains with them as support, but they didn't. They just simply didn't have enough. And, every, yeah. and about every three weeks, they'd say, well, we're going to throw more stuff out of the wagons, get rid of some clothes, throw your blankets away. Yeah. And I'll tell you, if the guy had a shoe store, he could have got rich on that trip. <laughs> it's, 
I mean, these folks yeah, were barefoot the, by the, the time um, they got there. The other thing that they ate, they, they had some oxen with them and some cattle with them. Uh, most of the trains had had a few cattle and a few oxen. And as those animals would get weak and, and basically either die or they were going to soon die, they would butcher them and they would eat them. And, and in that really hard period in, in October and early November um, in 1856, the little boys talked about oh, taking the hide from the oxen and it was basically rawhide, and they'd put it in the fire, and they'd crisp it, and then they'd just kind of, they said they'd just kind of draw it through their teeth and kind of eat the scales off, and then they'd crisp it again. And so they're, you can just imagine what they're eating. They're just eating a piece of, of rawhide that they're kind of sort of cooking a little bit and probably burning the hair off more than anything. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's what they're eating. They really, really did not. And they, in, after 1856, and even in 1856, with the three earliest trains, the church sent some supplies out to meet them on the trail and, and give them some replenished supplies. But they didn't have enough, and they didn't send enough for the last two carts until they sent the rescue companies, who did, did you- bring some food, but they just couldn't haul enough. And then in, after 1856, so in 1857 and, and up to 1860, which was the last year of the hand carts, they had some stations that they established along the route of the trail and they stockpiled some supplies so that as they were coming west they would find some food because you see there wasn't much out there you come across nebraska they hardly ever went to fort kearney it was on the south side of the platte river mm-hmm. so no their next case. stopping place was fort laramie and that and they there just wasn't hardly any place to even try to buy or trade for anything could you just imagine Julia Child? So, <laughs> and now, prepare your, your well hide by scraping it off. Say and deliver. You know, I want before before we finish off, I want to I want to read the very last paragraph in the book, and it's in the coda, uh, because this kind of gives the the travelers the last word. Uh, it goes perhaps. It is not trail whispering, but rather the souls of those who walked this pathway in the 19th century. Like John Chislett, who said that the sad, sad results of Brigham Young's handcart scheme will call for a day of reckoning in the future. The spirits may still seek solace. Mm. Mm. Wow. The last word, wow. yeah. <laughs> wow. And I think you know it's such a great way to uh, sum up the trip and the whole experience. Yeah, I tried to let the people tell the story. I was just the vehicle that it came through. Mm-hmm. You did a very fine job with that too. Uh, uh, we must say it's up there many, with many, the many stars on my bookshelf. Yeah, many many compliments on that, Candy. We are well, thank you. getting out of time here, and I'm sure you've got other things to do. Uh, so, uh, like, forget us. Yeah, forget us. And, <laughs> get you, get find, find I'm some, looking forward to seeing you guys next week. We're going to have fun in Arizona. Find, we fi- are. find something that you can replace this hour of your life that you've lost. You know, like the Howdy Doody show or something really intellectual like that. Anywho. Candy, we will see you in Tucson next week. Uh, (laughs) I'll be out there Wednesday to uh, get things set up, and I'll I'll look around for you, and we'll just kind of play it by ear because that's the only way I know how to do. I don't like. I'll be out there lurking. Just look for me behind the potted plants. (laughs) He'll be. He'll try and follow me. (laughs) Anyway, Candy, thank you so much. Appreciate uh, your time this afternoon. Have a safe journey out here. You bet. And we will see you you next week. You bet. Author Candy Moulton, she is the author of uh, the latest book, The Mormon Handcart Migration, Tongue Nor Pen Can Never Tell the Sorrow. It's available at a variety of places. Uh, Amazon is one of those, and it also comes in an e-book. We will um, have a... uh, You can get it out at Barnes & Noble, or they'll order it for you. Yeah, we will have a link uh, in the description of the podcast so that you can go right to Amazon and uh, find this book and buy it. That's right. Buy it. Buy two copies. Give one to a friend. Buy as many copies as what you possibly you can. Yeah, good Christmas, birthday, See that, anniversary look at presents. That. Look at that. Everything. There you go. 
All right, that's about it for this edition of uh, the Voices of the West, uh, Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. A reminder, we've got Radio Theater coming up uh, at 6 p.m. It's the adventures of uh, the Cisco Kid and Poncho. And Tales of the Texas Ranger, uh, Rangers, that is, uh, starring Joel McRae. Strangers, Rangers. Yeah, yeah. And... uh, Remember, it's a brand new VoicesOfTheWest.net website. Do check it out. Yes. Uh, read some of the nifty comics that are up there because they are just so damn cool. And the graphics on the covers will blow yeah, you away. Exactly. And that as well as um, uh, some of the nifty uh, movies. You know, th- this is all stuff I found in the public domain. And so that's why it's there because I think it's important. And we can afford it. And we can afford it. There you go. That's it for this edition. We'll see you next time. So long. Adios. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. 